This is the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast, coming to you from the heart of Honolulu, Hawaii. Hui Kala is a dynamic family of faith committed to solid Bible teaching, discipleship, and helping you grow in your faith. Grab your Bible and prepare to dig deep into the Word with Pastor Anthony King. Grab your Bibles, turn to the book of Galatians, if you would, tonight. Galatians chapter 5 is where we find ourselves. We're continuing our series on the fruit of the Spirit. This is week number six as we've gone through the fruit of the Spirit. If you've missed anything so far, you can always get caught up at our website at huikala.org. Subscribe to our podcast. Uh, download our smartphone app to your phone or your tablet. Stay caught up that way. Uh, we've got uh, two more weeks counting this week. Uh, this week and next week, we'll be done with the fruit of the Spirit. And we'll wrap up uh, chapter number six probably in the month of December and kick off a brand new uh, Sunday night uh, Bible study on the beginning of the year. Hard to believe this year is almost over. Really excited about the upcoming uh, year 2020. I'm so excited about some things that uh, we have in store for next year. I hope you are uh, as well. Uh, bear with me tonight. My voice is completely and totally shot. First of all, I wasn't planning on leading music tonight, but I got to. That was exciting. I, I haven't really led music in a long time. Uh, but secondly, uh, basketball season is upon us, and my, my son uh, plays basketball, and um, I, I end up yelling at the refs every single Saturday. So uh, forgive my voice, a little bit rough tonight, but we'll get through it. Uh, Galatians chapter 5 is where we find ourselves. Uh, we'll take a look, uh, starting in verse number uh, 19. It talks about the uh, uh, works of the flesh, first and foremost. Actually, let's back up to verse number 16. Just for the sake of context, we'll go down through uh, verse number 23. I'm really focusing on the uh, virtue of faithfulness tonight as we look at the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, starting verse number 16. This I say, then walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Uh, verse 16 is critical if you want to have the fruit of the Spirit in your life, which I promise you, you do. You want this. The only way to do it is to walk in the Spirit. If you walk in the flesh, you will never see the fruit of the Spirit. They cancel each other out. So we have to make sure that we're walking in the Spirit and we won't fulfill the lust of the flesh and through us the Holy Spirit will produce the fruit of the Spirit in our life. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, the Spirit against the flesh. These are contrary one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Notice works is plural here. When we get to the fruit of the Spirit, it's speaking in a singular uh, uh, sense there. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness. Uh, Verse number 19 deals with the works of the flesh, which the first four that it lists are sexual um, in nature. Uh, Sexual sin is one of the most uh, catastrophic, devastating types of sin. Uh, The Bible tells us in the book of uh, 1 Corinthians that if you uh, commit any sin, you commit any sin outside of yourself. You commit sexual sin, you're committing sin against your own body. Uh, The consequences of that are absolutely devastating. Verse number 20, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I've told you in times past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Verses 22 and 23, I want to encourage you to begin already if you haven't, committing these to memory. You need to memorize these because they're going to help you. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. As the fruit of the Spirit being singular here, to actually have the Holy Spirit at work in your life, it will produce all of these things, not some of them, not part of them, but it's a package deal that all works together. 
If you and I seek to have the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, we cannot allow any deficiency in other areas. I've known people before who say, I'm really good at maybe uh, love and joy, but I struggle with patience or long-suffering. It doesn't work that way. You need the Holy Spirit to produce all of these things in your life, just not part of them, just not some of them. This fruit of the Spirit, these virtues that we find in these verses don't come naturally to us. That's why we need the Holy Spirit to produce them. And if the Holy Spirit is the one that produces them, these are only produced by saved believers. If you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, the Holy Spirit will produce these things. If you are not a child of God, you are not saved, you do not have the Holy Spirit, you couldn't produce these things if you wanted to because they're created spiritually by the work of the Holy Spirit at work inside of us. We've already taken a look at six of these virtues uh, so far in our study. So what we're going through in the first part here is just by way of review. First of all, uh, the virtue of love. I don't think it's any coincidence that it's the first one listed because the Bible tells us that God is love. We have the capability to love because God loved us first. And the virtue of love is a lifestyle of placing other people before myself. Love is not an emotion that we feel. Love is a choice and a lifestyle that we live. And so this is the, the idea that I'm going to place other people before myself. That's how I love. Next, the virtue of joy. Joy is happiness that's based on spiritual realities. I can have joy in the midst of suffering because it's not based on my present material circumstances. It's based on my spiritual reality. If you're a child of God, you have reason to have joy tonight. If you have a copy of the Bible in your own language, you have a reason for joy tonight. If you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, you have a reason for joy tonight. If heaven is your home when you die, you have a reason for joy tonight. Everything can be falling, falling apart around but you, you, but you can know this. God is my father. Christ is my brother. The Holy Spirit lives inside of me. I have the promises of God at my disposal. I have a church family that loves me. I have a pastor that prays for me, and I think I'm going to be okay. And I can have happiness based on spiritual realities that are not connected. My joy is not connected to my physical circumstances. It's based on spiritual realities. Next, the virtue of peace. It's the comfort knowing that everything is right between me and God and me and every other person on planet Earth. I hold no ill will towards anyone. The best that I can, I've made peace with my fellow man. I have peace with my circumstances because I know that I have peace with God. Next, the virtue of long-suffering Again, some Bible translations, some English Bible translations will use the word patience in place of long-suffering. I believe that's a poor word choice when it comes to translations because patience sometimes means that I don't want to be inconvenienced by this, whereas long-suffering means I'm making a choice to suffer long. I'm willing to endure pain and unhappiness for an extended period of time because the Holy Spirit's at work. I mean, because I trust in God's sovereignty so long-suffering is a work that only the Holy Spirit can do. Gentleness is a disposition of being warm-hearted and considerate. This is, uh, speaks to my demeanor, my disposition, how I put myself off. And again, gentleness does not take away from manliness. Uh, it, it, those two can be uh, work in conjunction with one another. That doesn't mean that you have to be uh, harsh or mean towards people. It means you're actually approachable, you're kind, you're warm-hearted. When you see a need, you want to meet that particular need. It works in together with goodness, which is actively doing good and living out a life of moral excellence, making a choice to do the right thing, living a life of integrity. Now, it's important to understand that all of these work together. I can be good 
and at the same time be gentle because I'm a loving person. And I can be a loving person because of the spiritual reality that God is loving towards me and that produces joy inside of me. And because I have joy, I can be long-suffering with people because I know that God is working on them the same way that he's working on me. I can have joy because I know that God's in charge. I can live at peace despite difficult circumstances and still have joy through those because the fruit of the Spirit is a package deal that all works together. Again, if we only have love but we don't have joy, then we're missing out on part of the, what makes up the fruit of the Spirit. And so it all works together in concert together. And again, this is only produced in us by the work of the Holy Spirit. The next uh, one that we get to here at the end of verse number 22 is the word faith. Better uh, English translation of this word would be faithfulness. Uh, the way that it, it, it is written and the, the choice that they made in, when they wrote the King James Version of the Bible was the word faith carried the idea of being faithful. In our vernacular, the way that we use the word faith today, we think of the object of our faith being Jesus Christ or faith in the word of God or the ability to believe in something that we cannot see. Uh, the word that's used in this particular phrase here means the ability to do the right thing for an extended period of time. It's loyalty, it's trustworthiness, it's faithfulness is the word that we see here. Now, the ability to have faith in God, the Bible says, is the gift from God, that God draws us to himself using the Holy Spirit, and we have the ability to believe on faith because faith is a gift that God gives us to allow us to be able to believe on him. But faithfulness is something that the Holy Spirit does in us and through us as he does a work in us. We as a society, as a whole, as a civilization, we're very good at starting things, but we're terrible at seeing them through. I don't know how many people have ever started a diet that they did not finish. My hand is up, and if I had about 12 hands, I'd have 12 hands up, uh, done it many a times. I can't tell you the number of journals that I have in my office. I've told you this before, I'm a professional journal collector of journals that I have the first two or three pages journaled in, but no entries after those first couple of pages. I'm really good at starting stuff. I'm terrible at finishing it. Can't tell you over the years how many great ideas for businesses that I've had or websites that I've started or things that I've started off on. I'm really good at starting stuff. I'm terrible at actually seeing it through because we lose interest quickly in things that once held our interest. But faithfulness is a gift of the Holy Spirit at work inside of us that takes us the distance. And again, it's not being faithful to a diet or faithful to a lifestyle. It's being faithful to the things of God over the long haul. As we take a look at the idea of faithfulness, we see, first of all, that Jesus was faithful. Philippians chapter two says, but he made himself of no reputation and took upon himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God hath also highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. Jesus Christ was faithful to the cross. He knew what it would cost to redeem you and I, and he chose to go that path anyhow. He knew the price of the salvation of mankind, and he chose to walk that path. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he knelt and said, Father, if there's another way, I would like that way, but if not, this cup has to come my way, then I'm willing to take it. I'm willing to be faithful to what you've called me to. And Jesus Christ went to the cross and he suffered and bled and died to pay for my sin and to pay for your sin. And he was faithful to that. And friend, let me tell you this, the only hope that you or I have for eternity in heaven does not...
how good we are. It rests in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And were Jesus not faithful to the cross, you and I would have no hope for salvation. And our salvation is not based on our faithfulness. It's not a matter of can I be faithful to the end and then maybe I'll get to go to heaven. Uh, our, Our sin is paid for on the cross once and for all. And our salvation rests in our faith, not our faithfulness. Jesus Christ was faithful, and the, per- the faithfulness of Jesus Christ purchased our freedom. I have freedom from sin tonight. I am a child of God tonight. I have been adopted into the family of God. I have God as my father, Christ as my brother, the Holy Spirit inside of me, all the promises of the word of God. I have the hope of a home in heaven one day. And that hope is a confident expectation based on the promises of God's word. And I have all of that because of the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. Not because I'm a good dude or because I do good things or I try to live a moral life. Those things would earn me nothing. The Bible says that all my righteousness is as filthy rags in the sight of God. It's worthless to him. The Apostle Paul says every good thing in my life that I would consider an accomplishment, I count those things as rubbish, as trash, as dung before the Lord. The only hope that I have or anyone else has for eternal life is through Jesus Christ alone. Had Jesus not been faithful, you and I would still be in our sins and we would have nothing to talk about tonight and we could just pack it up and go home because we have no hope. But because Jesus was faithful, we have an eternal, everlasting, living hope in the person of Jesus Christ. Thankful that our God is faithful. I'm thankful that he's trustworthy I'm thankful that when God makes a promise, he always carries through with it. We took a look at this morning how uh, God had promised to Abraham in the book of Genesis a land, a seed, and a blessing. And that land and seed came pretty quickly, but the blessing took a little bit while to come to fruition. But Matthew chapter one opens up with the fact that Jesus Christ came from the seed of Abraham and Jesus Christ was that blessing for us because God keeps his promises because God is faithful. If you're taking notes tonight, you should write down this uh, verse In your notes there, Lamentations chapter three, verse number 22. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They're new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. It's only the mercy of God that you and I woke up this morning and had breath in our lungs. If you see tomorrow morning, it's only because of the mercy of God. But if you see tomorrow morning, just know that's a fresh start. It's a new day. God's mercies are new for you. His compassions never fail. And God is always faithful. And the faithfulness of God is a great comfort to us. When we go through difficult times, we know that God is faithful. There's comfort found in that. When we face uncertainty, we don't have to know what tomorrow brings, but we can have faith in the one who knows exactly what tomorrow brings. When we face difficult times, we know that God is on the other side of those difficult times and he's working everything, first for his glory, secondly for your good. And we can rest in the promises of the word of God because God is faithful. There's been many times where I've received a text message from someone in our church with devastating news. And my answer is almost always the same. I'm so sorry to hear that. I'm gonna be praying for you. God is faithful. Because in times like that, many times you don't have an answer to give other than the fact that God will see you through this. God will be faithful. If you've been around the block a couple of times, you'll know that that, that truth of the faithfulness of God 
is so incredibly true, so true. And so as we look at the faithfulness of Jesus Christ, we look at the faithfulness of our God, it's important to understand, as we've talked about already, that faith is the only way that we are saved. Ephesians chapter two, verses eight and nine, you should commit those verses to memory. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for by grace are ye saved through faith. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, you're not saved because of how good you are. You're saved because of how good God is. You're not saved based upon your works, but you're saved based upon the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. By grace are you saved. Not because you deserve it, but because God is gracious. By grace are you saved through faith. Without faith, you cannot be saved. I've known people before who says, well, I, I, I just don't want to go to hell. Can I just say some prayer and go to heaven? It doesn't work that way. It requires faith, a belief that Jesus Christ is the son of God, that he died for your sins, that you're willing to turn from your sin and turn to Jesus alone to save you. That's the only way that you can be saved, faith. Not faith plus your works, not faith plus your baptism, not faith plus perfect church attendance. Faith alone is the only way that one can be saved. So the idea, again, I, I wanna make sure that we're very clear. Your faithfulness does not determine your salvation, only your faith. Some people think this idea, well, I need to get saved and I need to make sure that I'm staying in church and doing the right thing that way, I'll, I'll stay saved. Friend, you didn't do anything to earn your salvation. You can't do anything to lose your salvation. Every single Sunday, we share the gospel with someone who's not sure that heaven's their home. Probably, I would say, 60 to 70% of the time that we share the gospel with someone who's not sure about heaven, they find out that they have accepted Christ as Savior, but they haven't kept up their end of the commitment that they, they made to Christ. They've fallen away in their faith. They've struggled in their faith, or uh, they've completely maybe even abandoned their faith. It's great comfort to them to always know that while you were unfaithful, God was always faithful. While you haven't kept your end of the bargain, God always keeps his end of the bargain. While you may have forgotten God, God never forgot you. He's faithful. And so it's important to understand that we want to be faithful to God, not so that we can go to heaven one day, but we wanna be faithful to God because that's what God, first of all, expects of us, and secondly, that's where we find the greatest joy in the Christian life is through faithfulness. So faith is the only way that we're saved, but faithfulness is the only way that we are sanctified. Sanctified is the idea of being set apart being made holy, being made distinct. The Bible says that God is holy, therefore you and I should be holy. The word holy means separate from anything that has to do with sin. The word holy sometimes gets a bad rap, especially in church circles because certain churches have adopted it to mean things that it's not supposed to mean. The word holy means separate from sin. And God has called you and I to be holy because he's holy. And this process of separating ourselves from sin is a process called sanctification. It's a gradual process. It doesn't happen overnight. We were serving on staff at a church in California and there was a man who had come to church on a Sunday morning and he was wearing a pair of blue jeans and a uh, black t-shirt, 
looking kind of rough around the edges, a little bit longer hair, uh, came in wearing sunglasses and stuff like that. He came to church that day. I talked to him for a bit. He accepted Christ and got saved. Man, it, man, it was awesome to see the weight of his sin lifted off of him. Next Sunday, he comes to church wearing a brand spanking new suit that still had the tags on the outside, big, huge tie with the tie not tied really terribly. I probably watched a YouTube video or something like that. I think he went to the Christian bookstore and said, show me the largest Bible that you have. And he bought, it was like a family Bible like you stick on a coffee table. He was carrying it under his arm and he's wearing his, his tie, no sunglasses, he went and got a haircut. I mean, tight haircut. And I looked at him and I go, what are you doing? He goes, come to church. And I go, no, 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 what is all this? And he says, I'm all in, I'm all in. I'm gonna do this Christian thing. So I just wanna do it all in. Do you think that this is all in? He goes, yeah, what else, you, what else can you do? You've got all the outside bases covered. And in his mind, he thought to himself, if he changed his clothes and he carried a Bible and he got a haircut, that he was becoming like Christ. And he said, friend, you haven't even begun the process of becoming like Christ. Because becoming like Christ starts on the inside first and then eventually the outside stuff will change. But the idea that we can fix the outside really quickly and then get up to speed and then be a top-level Christian, that's just not biblical Christianity. This process of sanctification is a lifelong process of becoming more like Christ. Sanctification is a result of, here's another good word that we like to use, discipleship. Becoming a committed follower of Jesus Christ day after day after day, it creates a sanctification. If you're growing in sanctification, you'll know that you're a stronger Christian than you were six months ago. That's what growing in sanctification looks like. Hopefully you can look back at where you were two, three, four, five years ago and say, I'm a better Christian today than I was four years ago. That's growing in sanctification. Now, sometimes folks say, I was really on fire for Christ when I was in college and then I got out into life and everything kind of fell apart from that point and I'm not where I used to be. That's the opposite direction of sanctification. It's a word that the Bible uses called backsliding. That's a terrible place to be. But you know what the fix for backsliding is? Sanctification, go in the opposite direction. Hey, what in my life needs to change? What in my life isn't pleasing Christ? What in my life doesn't give honor and glory to God? Maybe that needs to go. What's dead weight for me that's keeping me back from being my best for the cause of Christ? And when Angela and I decided to start being real deal Christians, not just Sunday morning Christians or casual Christians, we began this refining process in our life of sanctification I realized that the language that I used wasn't the type of language that a Christian should use. And so I thought, I'm not gonna talk like that, but I can still watch television shows and movies that talk like that if I don't talk like that. And then I became convicted that the Bible says it's not just about abstaining from sin, but not taking pleasure in those who do sin. And I realized, holy smokes, me enjoying watching someone else sin is actually a sin. Great. What about all my favorite television shows? What about my favorite movies that I like? What about my favorite music that I listen to? And I came to the point where those things had to go. Why? Because it's a process of sanctification. And thankfully, I can tell you this, I don't struggle with the same things that I struggled with 19 years ago because God's doing a work in me. Am I perfect? No. I'll never be perfect until the day that I see Jesus face to face and I still got stuff I'm working on. But if I'm still struggling with the same sin that I was struggling with five years ago, there's no sanctification taking place. There's no forward progress taking place. But that comes through faithfulness. It doesn't come from showing up once on a Sunday morning and saying, well, I went to church that one time and it didn't really work that well. 
I tried the whole church thing. I went probably five or six times over the course of uh, a month or so, uh, and they just didn't catch on for me. No, no, no. You're never going to see progress through sporadic involvement. It requires faithfulness. The Bible places a high level of importance on faithfulness. Put it this way. Faithfulness is a big deal to God. Proverbs chapter 28, verse number 19. He that tilleth his land shall have plenty of bread, but he that followeth after vain persons shall have poverty enough. I want you to turn this, Proverbs chapter 28 in your Bible. I want you to turn there because I want you to see this verse because it's really important. Proverbs chapter 28. Mind you, Proverbs is the book that was written by the wisest man to ever live outside of Jesus Christ himself. There's a book of wisdom that Solomon wrote to his boys. Proverbs chapter 28, verse number 19. He that tilleth his land shall have plenty of bread, and he that followeth after vain persons shall have poverty enough. Verse number 19 says this, you work hard, you're diligent, God will bless your work. You want to follow after foolish, vain, worthless people? You're going to be broke in every way. Spiritually, morally, materially bankrupt. But here's what verse number 20 says. Take a look at this. A faithful man shall abound with blessings, but he that maketh haste to be rich shall not be innocent. You just want to be faithful? God's going to bless that. Did you know that the Bible never advocates for get-rich-quick schemes? The Bible always advocates for get-rich-slowly schemes. Just be faithful. Just plug away. Is it a sin to be rich? No, not if you do things the Bible way. The Bible says it's a sin to desire to get rich, but it's not a sin to be rich. If you gain your riches by faithful work, God says, just be faithful to what you've been given and you'll be blessed. The biblical model of discipleship is based on identifying and investing in faithful Jesus followers. Again, if you're taking notes, I want you to write down beside that, 2 Timothy 2.2. It's kind of our theme verse, if you will, for discipleship. The Apostle Paul says, in the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. The Bible places a high importance on finding committed Jesus followers and building them up further. If you want to find how Jesus says we should treat uncommitted, argumentative followers of his, just take a look at how he dealt with people. Jesus says, hey, follow me. And they're like, ah, not really sure if I want to do that or not. You know what Jesus said? Okay. And he walked on. Jesus didn't try to force anybody to follow him, didn't force anybody to try to be committed. He looked for men and women that were faithful and he invested in them. God places a high importance on that. And for us in discipleship, sometimes 
before we've had to ask people to step outside of discipleship for a minute. Hey, if you're not gonna be here, if you're not gonna commit to the work, if you're not willing to read your Bible and pray and be faithful in your attendance to church, you're not gonna be allowed to go through our discipleship program because the Bible requires that we commit the things that God's taught us to faithful men because the idea is that once I teach someone, they're gonna teach somebody else from there. So the Bible says it's really important that we be faithful and that we identify other faithful Jesus followers and invest in their lives as, as well. On the flip side, an unfaithfulness causes much pain. You're already in the book of Proverbs. Turn back to Proverbs chapter 25, if you would. Proverbs chapter 25, verse number 19. Confidence in an unfaithful man in time of trouble, it's like a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. <laughs> Talk about un- something that's painful. Bible says confidence in an unfaithful man in a time of trouble is like a broken tooth or a foot out of joint. I, I can't fathom a lot of things that you can think of right off the top of your head that would be incredibly painful other than a broken tooth. And you know, if you've ever had a broken tooth before, you're in bad shape. Foot out of joint. But if you're unfaithful, it causes a lot of pain. Not just you, but to the people around you. I played basketball. I wasn't very good. I played basketball because I was tall. Um, from time to time, if you're a basketball fan, you know when you get technical fouls called on the other team, they get, you get to choose your own person to go to the free throw line to shoot free throws. Funny thing is, nobody ever picked me to go shoot free throws. Ever. You know why? Because I wasn't good at it. And you know what? I didn't practice at it either. And my coach knew that. And he wouldn't put his confidence in me because I wasn't faithful in those areas. When God looks for someone to use to accomplish his work, the first group of people that he looks for are faithful people. Here at Who We Call a Baptist Church to, to serve in any type of ministry, you're required to be a member of our church. These are people who have been saved, baptized, and have committed to love, pray, give, serve, and invest here at Who We Call a Baptist Church. We send out a schedule once a month saying, hey, here are the ministry assignments for the month. These are the people that are working with children. These are the people that are working uh, in parking lot. These are the people that are working with uh, greeting folks when they walk in. Here's our ushers for the week, things along those lines. And you're required to be a member for that. You know why? Because we're counting on you. And if you have a flippant commitment to the church of Christ, if a flippant commitment to church attendance, we're not gonna put you in a place that's of great importance. You know, the people that we put in front of our children, cream of the crop, top of the top, top shelf Christians here that we're looking at. These are the people who I want my children to look at and go, wow, that's what a Christian man looks like. That's what a Christian woman looks like. I want to grow and learn from that. We don't, we, we've never in the history of our church made an announcement. Hey, we need somebody who's willing to teach kids this uh, uh, Sunday morning. Anybody want to do that? No, you know what we do? We find committed Christians and we put them in places of service to Jesus. Our Awana program on Wednesday night, we have probably, I'd say 15 or so Awana teachers that teach our kids. 15 people that we've sat down and had an eyeball to eyeball conversation with and said, hey, this is serious business. You're shaping kids for the rest of their life. Are you committed to this or not? Because we need faithful people. I don't want to get a call on a Wednesday night 
10 minutes before the kids are supposed to line up for Awana from somebody going, you know what, I've been really tired. I think I'm just going to stay home and watch Friends on Netflix tonight. Could you get somebody to do a cover for me? No, not on my watch. And if that's your attitude towards the responsibility you've been given, you're an unfaithful person and we're going to remove you from ministry anyway. She just did us a favor. Thankfully, we've never had anybody do that, okay? It'd be a terrible thing though, wouldn't it? The folks who uh, serve in uh, a visible ministry like music ministry, we require them to have their life at a higher level of commitment to Jesus. I have no desire to have somebody up here sing because they have a good voice. I want them to sing because they're faithful to Jesus. I don't want anybody to play because they play an instrument well. I want them to play because it's a way for them to be faithful to Jesus and, and show their love for Jesus and worship and adoration. Man, we have people in our church that could sing really well, but maybe their commitment to Christ isn't 100%. Hey, let's fix that commitment to Christ and maybe if you want to sing later, you can sing. But the Bible values faithfulness. We live in a world today where we value talent. Please understand, the value of talent is not found in the Bible anywhere from Genesis to Revelation. Ever. You don't see someone that God chose because they were really talented. If you take a look at when God chose the second king of Israel, they lined up all the really good-looking, talented sons of Jesse. Gotta be this guy. Gotta be him. If there's gonna be a king, this is the guy. And Samuel goes, no, he's not here. You know what God wanted? God wanted the faithful man to be the king, and that's who David was. was might not have even been the best looking or the brightest, but it's who God chose. God places zero emphasis on talent. He places all the emphasis on faithfulness and godliness and holiness. Therefore, you and I must place a high importance on godliness, holiness, faithfulness as well. In our church, the church body, unfaithfulness causes the church body much pain. Nothing worse than, than when someone leaves our church. I hate it. Uh, we have, we've had a lot of folks leave our church this year due to job transfers or military transfers or things along those lines. The ones that hurt me the most, I think, are the ones who just leave because they, they quit on Christ or they're looking for an easier form of Christianity. It hurts to, to hear that. And then folks will say in our church, hey, pastor, whatever happened to that couple so-and-so? They used to sit over here, sit over there. You remember they had the, uh, the kids in Super Church? They, they, they were the older couple who sat over here. Whatever happened to those folks? And it, it hurts to hear that they have lost because they, they've left because they were unfaithful. It hurts our whole body. But you know what hurts even more? is folks who show up here week after week but aren't faithful. Oh, they, they appear to be faithful in their attendance, but maybe their attendance is the only place that they're faithful. They're not committed to their Bible reading. They're not committed to their sharing of the gospel with other people. They're not committed in their, their giving of their tithes and offerings. They appear to be committed, but truth of the matter is they're kind of disconnected you know what that hurts the entire body and so I'm encouraging you tonight if there's an area of your life where you're not being faithful right now please understand you're not just hurting you you're hurting the entire body and so I need to you need to step back and say God is there any area of my life that I'm not being 100% faithful for us as a church family we have our core values on our front door of our church love pray give serve invest it's a good checklist that I think we could say, am I being faithful in my loving of, of God and loving of my fellow man and loving of my church family? 
Am I praying the way that I should for my church, for my city, for my pastor, for my brothers and sisters in Christ? Am I giving the way that I should, not only my time and my talent, but also my treasure, my tithing the way that I should? Let me tell you this, the church finances don't just take care of themselves. Our rent check doesn't get written automatically. It takes the sacrificial giving of God's people to allow this ministry to go forward. Am I serving the way that I should, not only in the church family, but other people in our church family? Am I serving my community? Am I serving my neighbors well? Am I fully invested in the cause of Christ? Am I being faithful? Am I loving, praying, giving, serving, and investing? Kind of a good checklist to have there. If there's an area where you say tonight, I'm not 100% faithful, know this, I love you, I'm for you, I wanna see you be faithful. But until you can be faithful, you're hurting the body around you. So I just wanna challenge you, be faithful. Everyone's blessed by that. The faithfulness of the Christians is a great comfort to other people. <coughs> Being faithful to the things of the Lord is an encouragement to the people around you. Again, we're in, if you're probably there in Proverbs, you're in your Bible, turn to Proverbs chapter 20 if you would. I love this verse here. Proverbs chapter 20, verse number six. Most men will proclaim, proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man, who could find? We live in a society today where everybody wants to talk about how good they are. This is not a new problem. It's a biblical problem too because it's a heart problem. Pride wants to tell you how good I am, how smart I am, how well-behaved my kids are, what a great school they go to, how smart they are and how much smarter they are than your kids. And I wanna tell you how much better I am than you are. I wanna tell you how much stronger of a Christian I am or how much of the Bible that I know or how much more money that I have or how well-dressed I am or what kind of car I drive. We wanna tell how good we are. But you know what the Bible says? Everybody does that, but show me a faithful man. Where's he at? A faithful man, who can find? Everyone will proclaim their own goodness, but a faithful man, who can find that guy? I want to be that guy. But I love what verse number seven says. The just man walketh in integrity and his children are blessed after him. You know what that says? Your faithfulness has a ripple effect. Primarily in your family tree, but also to the people around you as well. I can say with 100% certainty that I am the man that I am today because of my dad's decision to walk in faithfulness to the Lord. He and my mom made a decision to, to have us in church every single time the doors were open and I got taken to church whether I liked it or not. And I'm a better person because of that. I saw my dad walk with integrity. I saw my dad work, walk in honesty. My dad owns a body shop that he's owned for 40 plus years. I saw my people come in my dad's office before and they say, well, I don't have enough money to pay to get my car fixed. Is there a way that you could adjust the estimate of my car that will cover my deductible? For those of you that don't know, that's called insurance fraud. And my dad said, no, I can't do that, but I can help you with payments. And I saw my dad love people and help them and, and serve them and give people money and loan people money and set up payment plans for people. And I saw in him, I'm not gonna break the law, but I will love you, serve you, help you. And I saw that in my dad. And you know what? I'm blessed because of it. And I believe based on the promises of God's word that I am blessed today because my dad was faithful. And you may say, well, my dad wasn't faithful. Great, then you get the opportunity to start your family tree with faithfulness. I, 
I tire of hearing people tell me about how bad uh, things were for them or how they didn't have a chance or didn't have this or didn't have that or didn't have a, a good model growing up. I get it, I get it, I get it. But we have to start where we're at today. And I tell you this, there's many men in this church that are models of faithfulness for you that you can follow their footsteps. You have a new beginning, a fresh start. You get to make a change in your family tree starting today to say, hey, you know what? I didn't have this, but my kids will. And so many times I hear parents say things like, well, I want my kids to have what I didn't have. And generally what they're talking about is a new car or a nice car or a private school or their college tuition paid. I want my kids to have nice clothes because I never had that. I want my kids to have uh, expensive vacations because I never had that. I want my kids to be able to go ride jet skis because I never had that. Hey, look, you know what your kids need? They need faithfulness. They need Jesus. They need godliness. They need holiness. And if you didn't have those things, give your kids the things that you didn't have. Those are the types of things that matter, things that you cannot buy, things that you cannot purchase, but you have to live out in your own life. Next, our faithfulness to Jesus is only as strong as what it would take for us to quit. I consider you automatically here tonight, you're faithful to Jesus. You know why? Because you came to church on a Sunday night at five o'clock. Some of you, this is your second time at church today already, twice in a 24-hour period. I would consider you faithful. That's a good thing. Some of the folks here tonight have been at Hui Kala Baptist Church since it started six years ago and have probably missed on both hands maybe a handful of services that I know of in six years. You're faithful, I get it. But the question is, will you continue to be faithful? Because just because you've been faithful up to this point doesn't mean that you get a pass from here on out. It means you need to continue being faithful. And again, you can't develop faithfulness in yourself as a gift of the Holy Spirit at work inside of you. And your faithfulness is only as strong as whatever it would take to cause you to quit. What would cause you to quit on Jesus? What would cause you to throw in the towel on your faith? I've known people before who difficulties and trials have come and they threw in the towel on their faith. When our church was really young, probably the first couple of years, Angela and I would get, the first few times it happened, we were really uh, surprised and willing to help. The last few times that it helped, we saw it coming a mile away. But the lady comes, she's walked away from her faith. She really wants to be committed to Christ and wants to turn her life around. She's made some bad decisions. She wants to make things right with God and, and really dig into her faith. And the more that we talk a little bit, she was in a relationship, boy broke up with her, and now she wants to turn her life back to Christ and get on track. Man, we want to help you, man. Uh, there was a, a girl, we were early on, in the early days, she came in at 11 o'clock at night. We sat in the lobby with her. She cried crocodile tears and how she left her faith and things like that, wanted to make things right with God. She was so sorry. Uh, it was a Saturday night. We said, be here tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. Nowhere to be found. Call her, text her, email her, nothing. Nowhere to be found. Two weeks later, I saw her at Walmart. <laughs> We're walking down the aisle, and I'm coming towards her, and she's coming towards me, and she put her head down. And I said, hey, how's it going? And she was like, oh, hey, I didn't make it back to church. You know what? Me and him kind of sorted everything out. We patched everything up, so we're good now. And I thought, wow, you wanted to come back to Christ because you lost your boyfriend. You got back with your boyfriend. Now you're, you don't need Christ anymore. 
And I've seen people before who have uh, gotten bad news. Uh, there was a, a man in our church for a while who had stage four cancer. And we, as a church family, had prayed for him that, that he would be healed. And he went and he had surgery and he went through chemotherapy and radiation treatment. We prayed him and helped him and encouraged him and took meals and did his laundry and cleaned his apartment and things like that. And once he got a clean bill of health, he didn't need the Lord anymore. He, he, I got it from here. I think I'm good. Thank, thanks so much. And his faith... What caused him to stop? Prosperity. Don't need it anymore. I think I'm good. What would cause you to quit? What would it be? Disappointment? Discouragement? Let me just tell you ahead of time. That's coming. Be prepared for it. What would cause you to to quit on your faith? Better job? More affluent circumstances? Let me just tell you, the devil will throw whatever it takes to, to send your way. You need to make a decision. My anchor is dropped. I'm not going anywhere until the day that I see Jesus. Apostle Paul said, none of these things move me. None of, I'm not going anywhere. I've had difficulty, I've had trials, but none of these things will stop me. If I'm still alive in 20 years on a Sunday morning at 10 a.m., you can find me in church because I'll be here because I'm faithful, I'm committed. had the opportunity a couple weeks ago to go to California and do a college visit with Vanderlei. And while I was there, saw some friends uh, from that Angela and I had discipled. Um, one of the best feelings in the world, a couple that we'd spent probably 18 months discipling. Uh, they were, their marriage was a mess. Their faith was a mess. They were baby Christians. They didn't have a clue as to what they were doing. Angela and I really just poured our life into this couple. And um, we're sitting in church, me and Van, on a Wednesday night. And uh, they said, let's all stand for a dismissing word of prayer. And we all stand up. And I looked down, and that couple was sitting on the second row directly in front of the pulpit on a Wednesday night, eight years later. And I just got choked up. And I went up to him afterwards, and I gave him a hug, and I said, I'm so proud of you guys. You did it. You've been faithful. And he said, well, it hasn't been easy. And they began to tell us everything that was going on with them and some trials they'd faced and difficulties and uh, things along those lines. It just broke my heart to hear it. But they were there, and they were faithful, and they were still doing it. And I thought, man, that's so encouraging. We got together and had breakfast the next day. We were talking through, and she said, you remember so-and-so from our Sunday school class? I go, yeah. Yeah, they got a divorce last year. She's like, oh, wow. You remember so-and-so? Yeah, they're not in church anymore. They still live in town, but they don't go to church anymore. She's like, wow. That's hard to hear. And they begin to name off, and finally I just said, you know what? I'm just glad you guys are faithful. Just don't tell me anything else because I don't want to know. I really don't. But you know what? The older that I get, and I'm not very old, I'm still a pretty young pastor. It's a good place to say amen. I kind of paused, kind of paused waiting for the amen, but it never came. But the older that I get, the more that I value faithfulness. You know, even for me, when I went to Bible college, many of the guys that I went to Bible college with aren't in church or aren't in ministry anymore. You always hear things like that happen, but you think it'll never happen to me or the people that I know. No, no, it does. Commit tonight. I'm going to be faithful until the day that I see Jesus. Eyeball to eyeball, I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to be faithful to my marriage vows. I'm going to be faithful to my family. I'm going to be faithful to the Lord. I'm going to walk in integrity. Let's be faithful. Faithfulness is rewarded in eternity. Revelation 2.10, fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison that you may be tried and have tribulation 10 days. But be faithful unto death and I'll give thee the crown of life. 
when you get to heaven, you'll be rewarded for your faithfulness. You probably won't be rewarded on this earth. Let me be honest with you. We don't give away perfect attendance pins here at church. You know, when, at our five-year anniversary, we recognized those uh, who had been charter members of Huicala Baptist Church. We got probably 10 or so folks that were here from the very beginning at Huicala that are still here six years later. And you know what we gave them? We gave them a cup <laughs> and we clapped for them. And you know what? In this lifetime, your faithfulness will not be rewarded the way you want it to be. But when you get to heaven and you kneel at the feet of your Savior, Jesus Christ, your faithfulness counts everything at that point. Everything. And God will reward that. And when it comes to faithfulness, God doesn't count faithfulness in weeks and months. God counts faithfulness in decades. Man, I'm so encouraged. We have so many people in our church that have been serving Jesus for decades. Let's talk about a couple on Wednesday night. Previous church they were in, they served that church for 25 years. I want to be around people like that. I need that kind of faithfulness in my life. I was honored to, to be able to uh, disciple Coach Vorda and his wife, Amy. Coach Vorda and Amy have been saved for longer than I've been alive. But you know what they said? I want to learn more about Jesus. I want to learn more about the Bible. And I want to learn more so that I can teach somebody else. And you got somebody who's been walking with Jesus for four plus decades. And they say, I want to be able to be used more. Think of Ron and Cindy Bird in our church, man, faithful to Jesus for decades. And they just want to learn more so that they can grow more so they can do more. I want to be around people like that. Hey, if... Some one of your coworkers has been walking with Jesus for six months. Encourage him, man, cheer him on. And you need to bring him along to where you are or you need to get to somewhere where you can bring him along. But spend some time with people who have been walking with Jesus for decades. If you have little kids, spend time with folks whose kids have grown up and still love Jesus. Learn from them. Grow from that. Because faithfulness is not, you know, you've been in church for six months. That's great. I want to be around people that have been in church for six years, 36 years. I want to be around faithful men because I myself want to be a faithful man. When I'm dead and gone, I want my kids to be able to say, my dad wasn't the greatest in the world, but at least he was faithful. Do you know this too? Faithfulness requires zero talent on your part. None. Faithfulness is just showing up and doing the right thing. I'll, I'll never play piano. I'll never play guitar. I, I tried taking ukulele lessons because there's only four strings. I thought it'd be easier. It wasn't. I have no dexterity. I have no, um, I'm just a klutz. I'll never do it. It's okay. I'll, I'll never preach at a large church to an incredibly large congregation. I don't have a desire to do that anyways. But you know what I can be? I can be faithful. Majority of you will never sing a special at our church. You'll never, uh, you might never ever be called on to pray. You might never teach a lesson. You might never preach a sermon, but every single one of you can be faithful, every single one of you. Well, I don't really know how God would use me. Just be faithful. Just be faithful. God honors faithfulness. You can't do it on your own. The Holy Spirit does the work inside of you to help you to be faithful. You just have to be yielded to the Spirit. 
walk in the spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now, when the flesh gets involved, I don't want to be faithful. I just want to be comfortable. I just want to stay home. It's raining outside. There's no parking places available. It's kind of late. I got an early morning tomorrow. Still a little bit uh, sluggish from the turkey on Thursday. I got 101 reasons why I shouldn't be here tonight. But you know what faithfulness is? No, I need to be there tonight. I want to be there tonight. I want to be around God's people. And hey, you know what? You being here tonight encourages the people around you. I love seeing people that are coming just week after week, just being faithful. I love new Christians. I don't know a lot. They're just showing up, trying to get as much as they can get. I love that. Just continue to be a sponge. Just continue to be faithful. And you know what? If I look you up 20 years from now, on a Sunday morning, I hope you're in church praising God somewhere. And I hope you're in church praising God with some people beside you that you led to Christ or some folks that you know from work that you invited or this guy over here that you're discipling or this couple over here that you were just talking to about baptism. I hope you're in church and not just taking up a spot but being faithful to the cause of Christ. And I want, oh man, I want more than anything in the world for myself. That the day that I draw my last breath here on planet earth, that I'm fully right with God and I'm fully faithfully committed to the life he's called me to. Faithful. I want to be found faithful. That doesn't happen by accident. It requires us to be committed, intentional every single day. The devil's going to do whatever he can to send your way to keep you from being faithful. He's going to throw things in your way. I promise you that. I've had, again, so many times over the last six years, folks, transmission goes out on their car on a Sunday morning, flat tire on a Sunday morning, car broken into Saturday night that they discover on Sunday morning. But you know what those people a lot of times do? Show up in an Uber to church, borrow their neighbor's car to get to church, catch a ride with somebody to get to church, Hey, one of our kids is sick and in the hospital, but we had another family come and pick up the rest of our kids and bring them to church. You know why? Because they honor and value faithfulness. I want to be that guy. I want you to be that guy. I want you to be that gal. Just faithful. That's it. Requires zero talent, but it requires a filling of the Holy Spirit. The opposite of faithfulness is unfaithfulness. Simple as that. So as we look at the work of the Holy Spirit inside of us, Our flesh just automatically wants to be unfaithful. Our flesh just wants to be comfortable. Our flesh just wants to go with the flow. But the Holy Spirit, when he's at work inside us, says, no, 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 we're gonna do this. We're gonna dig in deeper. You can't do this on your own. You need the Holy Spirit's help to help you to be faithful. And I'm telling you this. If you're a child of God, you're gonna stand before your heavenly father one day and I want you to be able to say, it was not perfect but I was faithful. That's easy. I'm not gonna be perfect. I will have shortcomings. I will have regrets the day that I stand before Jesus, but I can say that I was faithful and I want the same thing for you. So my job is your pastor to prepare you for the day that you stand before God and I want you to stand there with joy, not regret. That's my job and I wanna help you get there. Let's allow the Holy Spirit to work in us this week to help us to be faithful.
most important thing in the world, if you're here tonight and you do not know for sure that you're saved, you're not 100% sure that when you die, heaven's your home. Friend, you stand in danger of God's judgment and you'll stand before God one day and he's not gonna ask you how faithful you were. He's gonna tell you that you rejected his son and that you have to leave. I don't want that for you. If you're here tonight and you don't know for sure that you're saved, do not hit those double doors until you know for sure that heaven is your home. But for those of us that are children of God, faithfulness this week. Thanks for joining us for the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast. We'd love to have you as our guest this Sunday morning at 10 a.m. You'll find exciting classes for your keiki, a welcoming church family, and a message from the Bible that's sure to encourage your heart. Join us this Sunday. You belong here.